Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Well, hello, dear listeners. Hi, podcast listeners. We are back for another episode. We don't know exactly when this episode is going to air in relation to when we are recording it, but <laughs> we just are coming off our revealed weekend, which you, dear listeners, faithful listeners, have been hearing us talk about for many weeks mm-hmm. leading up to it. And over the next couple episodes, we just want to open by sharing some of our experiences, the graces, people we encountered, um, insights from the talks we heard from so many great speakers, and to let you know that if you missed it when it happened, it's not too late to get in on all those keynote addresses and breakout sessions and Mm. uh, after-hours conversations we had that were filmed you can, we have this in the show notes, of course, go to revealedexperience.com to learn more about how you can partake. But Wendy, you you partook of the weekend. What were some highlights for you? Hey, now, you just threw that I my did, way. Without oh, my, warning. You did. You're on the spot. <laughs> Your favorite thing. <laughs> well, first of all, I have to say it was really fun knowing that many of the people who came listen to our podcast. I know that because many people said so, took the time to meet us and let us know that they listened to the podcast. It's such a blessing, isn't it? To just hear how our our humble little podcast has gotten into the lives of so many people. Yeah, it is. It is. It's it's so helpful. Just thank you, everyone who took the time to say hello. I really, truly appreciate it. Just, you know, we are recording just looking at one another, but when we meet our listeners and then we can call up those memories of those meetings in yeah. our minds as we sit down to record. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to so give beautiful. a little shout out here, just first names only, to Ben and Carrie. Yeah. We had a, a, a meal with them at the Revealed Experience and just want to say we, we love you guys and we're we had a it was a brief exchange over a meal but we really felt your hearts and your sincerity and living out your marriage and your catholic faith and we're so glad that this podcast is a blessing to you too yes but anyway back to that that maybe was just buying some time <laughs> for you to share on the spot off the cuff what were some highlights for you a, a big highlight for me was sensing the lord's kind of divine orchestration in the the presentations that yeah yeah I, there was yeah, a feeling that. yeah that that the talks made sense one after another that they were leading us both in to deeper understandings and also different kind of moods or places to be to sit with the working of the spirit somehow so kind of some that were more kind of giving us new information and some that were helping us to tap into our hearts and our responses. Mm-hmm. And this just seemed to to flow from talk to talk, even though I know that all you speakers are very busy and did not really get to, you know, coordinate as a team right. 
beforehand. So that was a huge blessing to me to travel together with all the attendees through these kind of different stages of reflection on things that, you know, are so near and dear to my heart, but we all need to be reminded. We all need to hear things in a new way and keep it fresh and apply it to our current situation. Yeah, we, I, I felt the same thing as we went through the weekend that there was some kind of divine orchestration. All the speakers knew. We had so many great speakers. Uh, we started off Friday. I gave a presentation to, to jumpstart the whole thing and talk about our theme, which was revealed, become what you are. Mm -hmm. um, then we had Father Mike Schmitz that evening uh, give a talk on theology of the body and suffering. Um, then we had Jackie and Bobby Angel give a presentation together on Theology of the Body and Healing. Mm -hmm. Let me see if I can remember all these. Then Saturday morning, we had Jason Everett gave a stupendous talk based on a lot of research he's been doing on the whole gender ideology. And wow, that, I mean, he, I've seen him speak many, many times. He and I have been at events together, and I, I just... I just saw, I was filled with gratitude for what that guy has poured out and poured in to be able to, to so concisely, and the guy's a machine gun, it's like rapid fire, da -da 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 -da. facts and statistics and insights and knowledge. Um, I, I'd really encourage anybody and everybody to, to, even if it's just for that presentation, to, to go to revealedexperience.com. He, he was really insightful. Then we had Abby Ford from Desert Stream Ministries, give a, a testimony, which was really beautiful, about her own journey from same-sex attraction mm -hmm. into relationship with, with Jesus and, and the journey that she's on. Uh, then we had Damon Owens give a talk about his experience as a father and uh, ad experiencing adoption, uh, experiencing adopting two children, and he worked that, he wove that into the the covenant uh, theme of covenant in the scripture that was very insightful who came next after damon hmm. jeff cavens that night mm -hmm. um gave a talk on the the imagination and and the, a sense of sacramental imagination how our minds and hearts uh, how the Lord works with our minds and hearts and images in our minds and hearts to draw him to himself is really insightful. And after all of these talks, there would be a, a sit-down with one of the staff of the TOB Institute where there is just a, a flowing from the heart exchange conversation, nothing scripted, uh, where each of the presenters would then unfold various insights and ideas. And, and responding to some questions. Responding to some questions from both the live audience and from people who were watching from around the world. Right. Um, and I guess the point in all of this, and then Sunday morning, Jen Settle gave a presentation and uh, Bill Dunahee gave a presentation. And uh, they all, yeah, you were saying, Wendy, how they, there was, as we looked at the weekend unfolding, it's like from one talk to the next, there was this beautiful picture being painted that really brought the whole audience on a powerful journey into the key mysteries of our faith and the crisis of our times and how the theology of the body really serves as a potent, powerful response to the crisis we're in right now. 
One of the things that I commented and heard others saying as well was that there was an uplifting sense of hopefulness Hope. Yes, that was so needed when you're talking about some of these serious topics yeah. to also be encouraged um, and given hope where it should be, hope yeah. in the power that can truly bring good out of all darkness. Now that that major event has occurred and we're basking in it, can you also let our listeners know what else is coming up for the yes, TOB Institute? we have uh, two TOB One courses, one in person, which is sold out for June with a, I just learned, a 40-person waiting list, uh, the biggest waiting list we've ever had. So chances are pretty slim you'd get into that live course, but we do have a TOB One online at the end of June. So if you haven't taken the TOB One, you can check that out in the show notes. Uh, I will be co-teaching Love and Responsibility with Jeanette Clark. She's the wife of Jason Clark, the executive director of the Institute, and she and I studied together back in the 90s at the JP2 Institute. She and I will be co-teaching Love and Responsibility from July 10th to the 15th. Uh, yeah, check it, check that out on the show notes. I'm really excited. I always get excited when I teach a new course, but uh, the opportunity I've had over the last six months to develop the study guide for this course and really dive into Love and Responsibility has been a real blessing. Can't wait to share that course. And we also have a JP, uh, the writings of JP2 on gender, sex, and marriage. That course is the first week of August. That's going to be taught for the first time by Bill Dunahy. So check that link in the show notes as well. And now our first question from a patron. From a patron. This patron is named Anonymous Teacher. Anonymous Teacher. Thank you, Anonymous Teacher, for being a patron. We're so grateful for your monthly support, and we hope you're taking full advantage of all the ongoing formation we offer our patrons. Thanks. The question says, Hello, Christopher and Wendy. I teach at a Catholic school. I talked to the pastor of the parish about teaching about the transgender topic to the 6th through 8th graders as part of our religion curriculum. Our current curriculum is at least 10 years old, and it does not include any discussion of this. He said he thought the students were too young to be taught about it, but wanted me to provide him with reputable Catholic authors and sources that talked about how it should be discussed age-appropriately at middle school level, and even before then, too. He agrees with everything the Church teaches, but has concerns about the age of the students. What sources do you suggest I provide him? Yes, I, I would urge you, as I was saying just a few moments ago, urge you to check out Jason Everett's presentation that he delivered at the Revealed Experience uh, just recently. Uh, again, check out the, the link for that. It really was, Jason's been doing a lot of research because he's writing a book on this, and it really was superb presentation. And there are a lot of uh, questions during the breakout session with Jason um, regarding how do we how do mm -hmm. we pass this on to, to mm -hmm. children yeah. in, in both school setting and, and home. I remember in his talk, he mentioned uh, a website you can easily find called Person and Identity, which 
um, really actually has resources specifically addressing the questions that are being brought up here. Yes, that's right. And he, yes, so personandidentity.com, I believe, uh, we'll, we'll provide that link in the show notes as well. And Jason's own website, mm-hmm. which is chastity.com and then forward slash gender. Uh, I'm sure you'll find the link to uh, person and identity there because he he said he has all ki- he's collecting all kinds of great resources mm-hmm. there at his website. So so yeah, I would just go go straight away to chastity.com forward slash gender and check out all the resources Jason Everett has been collecting yes. on this issue. I just want to say this also. You you commented that the priest at your parish was concerned that it might be a little too soon for direct education of these young people in in this on this question. And I would only say this, if the church is not educating them on this, they are getting educated already by the culture. The culture is incessant in promoting this this very confused, distorted vision of what a human being is. And if we are not responding, how do we overcome evil? We overcome evil with good. If we are not responding with the good, with the beautiful, with the true vision of what it means to be human, of what it means that we are male and female in the image and likeness of God, then our young people are all the more susceptible to the false vision. And could I just ask everyone listening right now to just pause and pray for teachers, for priests, for these ministries we just for mentioned. For catechists, for religious yes. educators at the parish level, in schools. Pray. It is not easy. There is criticism on all sides when you're yeah. trying to just share the truth in love. Nobody is going to be pleased with everything anybody does. Right. There's always criticism. There's always attack and discouragement. So please pray for encouragement and for just the Holy Spirit to continue to guide all of us in this ministry. Jesus, we praise you and we thank you that you have not left us orphans in this time of great crisis in our church, in our parishes, in our schools, in our communities, in our families. Lord, you have already raised up St. John Paul II to provide us with the antidote to this crisis. We ask you, Lord, please show us how to inject this antidote into the bloodstream of our families, our parishes, our schools, our communities. Teach us the way forward here, Lord. Thank you for the great hope we have in this beautiful teaching that the Holy Spirit has inspired in St. John Paul II. Amen. Amen. Our next question is from a listener named Juan. Hello, Juan. I recently discerned out of the seminary, and I'm home now. Since I came back to my parents' house, many things have started to come to the surface, some very positive, some very ugly. My dad has always been a very absent father. During my time in seminary, I spent a lot of time healing many of those wounds. My mom has been a great mother, but I know that her wounds with my dad have been passed on to me too. I know this because recently I've experienced an aversion, even t- at times repulsion towards her. Mm, mm. Because of certain ways she refers to me, simple favors that she asks of me, or 
even the way she dresses. Mm -hmm. I know that my mother loves me profoundly and I want to love her back, but there's this wall between us and I know the Lord does not want it there. I've heard a lot about healing father wounds, but do you have any advice or resources on healing mother wounds? Mm. Juan, I just want to say it is so evident that the Holy Spirit is deeply at work in you. Your very ability to recognize these troubling, uh, even disturbing movements in your heart, that is a sign of the Holy Spirit shining His light here. Uh, we, we, we make a common mistake when we experience disturbing movements of our hearts. I, I'm particularly struck by what you said about even the way my mother dresses can, can get under my skin at times. Well, in discernment of spirits, you know, the whole Ignatian spirituality, that is something to really pay attention to. Like, where is, where is that coming from? What is being triggered? What wound is being poked there? And, and the mistake we can make is to think, well, I shouldn't be thinking that, and, and to toss it aside. And just to kind of condemn ourselves for these weird thoughts we can have about people close to us. But you're doing exactly the right thing. You're paying attention to that. You're, you're recognizing that this is a window into a deeper reality, a deeper hurt, a deeper wound that needs to come into the light. So just a word to all of us on our healing journey these little annoyances or big annoyances or strange thoughts we can have or peculiar accusations we might feel in our hearts towards someone, mm. these are things really to pay attention to. They are, they are windows into deep places in our hearts that, that both the enemy wants to get there to poke at us and discourage us, and the Holy Spirit wants to get there to expose the wound and bring us on that healing journey. So good on you, Juan, as they say in Australia. <laughs> uh, good on you for, for recognizing those movements of your heart and just putting them out in the light. I'm going to share a basic principle that when, when you hear the principle, it's like, wow, that's that's kind of really basic and important, but, but not a lot of Catholics, sadly, know this principle. And it's the idea that we can be grafted into the Holy Family. And in being grafted into the Holy Family, Joseph and Mary and Jesus can take us on a journey of, of looking at the wounds from our own family of origin and healing those wounds. Here's an analogy I once heard that really helps me. We all, to grow up with a healthy sense of myself, speaking as a man, uh, I need a, a proper track on my, for my train. Here's the analogy. The train needs two tracks, solid tracks, uh, on which to, to travel safely. And the, the one track on my train or for my train is the track of gender identification. And as a man, that track means 
typically in the natural course of things, my relationship with my father is going to lay down that track of gender identification. I also need for my train to travel smoothly and in a healthy way, I need the other track, which is the track of gender complementarity. And that for me as a man is the track of the female influences in my life, primarily my mother. For a woman, same two tracks, but they are obviously reversed. Her track of gender identification would, in the natural course of events, be her mother, and her track of gender complementarity in the natural course of events would be her father. None of us have a perfect mom and dad, which means we're going to have warped tracks. We're going to have certain parts of those tracks that are warped. We're going to have sometimes entire chunks of those tracks missing. It is no wonder that our train can get derailed when we are raised in a fallen world with fallen parents and these all these fallen areas in our lives and in our parents' lives are significantly exacerbated since the sexual revolution and the fallout of that. So what you're experiencing, Juan, when you when you feel those annoyances towards your mother, when you, you recognize those father wounds, you're, you're experiencing either the warp or the missing chunks of those tracks in your train. Getting grafted into the Holy Family is where we can be fathered and mothered by Joseph and Mary in such a way that those missing parts of the track get resupplied in such a way that those warped parts of our track get set straight. And it involves a healing of memories. Here's a suggestion, Juan, that, and again, I'm, for some reason, I'm just zooming in on that particular thing you mentioned about being bugged by the way your mom dresses. Mm -hmm. uh, you can apply it to, to any of the other movements you're feeling in your heart, but I'll just zoom in on that for the sake of example. If I felt that towards my own mother, uh, I would sit with that in prayer, and I'm a I'm a big fan of journaling. Uh, if if it's helpful to you, Juan, this is what I'd suggest: quiet your heart, uh, set some time aside where you're not looking at your watch. You don't have to rush off to a meeting or whatever. Maybe set aside an hour and a half. If you're able to get to the Blessed Sacrament, I'd recommend that. Sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament with pen and paper, and just start writing out as if you're writing a letter to the Lord. Jesus, I'm feeling this strange movement in my heart towards my mother. Like the way she dresses sometimes just bugs me. And write out what your heart is feeling. Why does it bug you? And, and listen. Say As you're presenting that to the Lord, say, Lord, speak into this. What's going on? Quiet your heart after a time of kind of venting, getting that out. And then listen, what's, what's, are you hearing anything? Are you seeing anything? Is there a memory coming to you? Is there a smell coming to you? Is there a scene from a TV show or a movie? Or is there a song coming to your heart? These are all ways that when I've been in similar places and just tried to listen, things like that will pop up in my heart, a memory, a song, a movie scene. And those are things to pay attention to. This is how heaven often seeks to communicate with our hearts. And, and maybe, let's just say a memory comes up. 
a memory from childhood, teenagehood, could be any time in your life, could be a memory from two weeks earlier. Pay attention to that and, and then journal that out. Okay, Lord, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm sensing. Is this you? And the, the purpose in all of this is bringing what is in your heart to the light. And let's suppose it's a, a memory of your mother wounding you in some way. Then you would invite the Blessed Mother into that memory. And you would say, Mary, where were you when this happened to me? Can you speak into that, Mary? Can you, can you mother me here in a way my heart needed that because of my mother's own failings and, and broken humanity, she wasn't able to mother me? Can you mother me there, Mary? I have had in my own prayer life so many occasions where I've been in a similar situation and Mary has come to me in that place. Uh, I've had other situations where I'm dealing with a father wound and St. Joseph has come to me in that place. Uh, and, and it can be, you know, it's very personal to you. I, I, uh, it's going to maybe sound strange. I'm kind of making myself vulnerable mm. here, but, <laughs> but what, it's so, it sounds so strange out of context. But one time I had this image. I was really looking at a wound with my dad uh, and, and I kept seeing this moose in a field hmm. and and then it was clearly a male moose and then this this mama moose and a, a baby moose like hmm. joined the picture this is all like an image in my heart as i'm in a place of prayer i'm like what the i mean initially i'm like what the freaking what is go what a moose a, f a family of, of moosen <laughs> uh moosen that's a brian regan reference anyway uh <laughs> And it was revealed to me that this was a symbol in my heart of Joseph, Mary, and I was the baby moose. Mm. And there was then an experience that's uh, kind of too personal and too tender to repeat uh, in a public forum, but the imagery took me to a deep place of healing, mm. really tender and really beautiful and really powerful. If that sounds weird to anybody out there, uh, listen to Jeff Caven's talk on the Catholic imagination, because <laughs> this is an example of what he was getting at. Mm. The Lord is able, and this is part of what Jeff Caven's brought out in his talk at the Revealed Experience, the Lord is capable of doing far more than we, we dream or imagine, but he uses our imagination precisely to bring about this great work of healing and redemption. I, I hope that's helpful to you, Juan. Wendy, do you want to add anything here? I, I think you shared so much that is so beautiful, and I'm so grateful that you are willing to just walk us all through that process, which I know from knowing you all these years that you have, this is not something you've only done once in your life, many, many times. And I have taken similar steps. And I, I do, I agree that the awareness that Juan is sharing, I think just ha hearing his question yeah. will be helpful to our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Because who talks about how how to really look at these kinds of feelings that we can have toward people close to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a beautiful opportunity to reflect on how the Lord knows everything about us to, to recognize that the thing that prompts the reaction 
often isn't the real issue. That's right. And that's the thing that we're praying to have revealed to us is what's, what is under that or behind that or causing that, um, what does it symbolize for me? You know, that, um, precisely so that we can get to the deeper place where we finally recognize this is the hurting place inside me. This is the wound. And, and I've heard, you know, teachers on healing talk about types of wounds, like a wound of rejection or a wound of abandonment or a wound of confusion. Or a wound of like a smothering, a mother, a mother that smothers. Right. Um, you know, it could be any, any number of things. So to, but to recognize that, that these little things are bugging you in a big way, that means there's something big down inside. And maybe it took that living away from home for a while in seminary and that time of formation apart from your mother to to kind of prep you to look at this at this stage yeah. in your life. And that's all as you started in your answer to say, this is a sign of the spirit at work in your yeah. life. Juan, you are on the journey. And I just want to reiterate a, a previous point that as Wendy was saying, that that little bugging you thing is a symbol to read, to take you much deeper into your heart. And when we have a kind of hyper-pious sense of holiness, like, oh, I shouldn't have that thought about my mother, shut that down, then what we're also shutting down is the healing journey. All of these things, as we've been trying to say, are, are windows into your heart, One, And I'm telling you, brother, you are on the journey. This is it. This is the journey. The Spirit is moving. Your sails are up. Mm. Uh, let that wind continue to blow and continue to take your sailboat where the Lord wants to take you. He wants to take you to a beautiful, beautiful place. But to get there, we have to pass through uh, some pretty S-H-I-T-T-Y places, painful places. Uh, it, 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 my, <laughs> my spiritual director uh, says to me, Christopher, when, when, when the S-H-I-T is coming up and out, you know, and here's a, a principle of theology of the body, right? the, all of the body and all of its functions <laughs> have their theological and spiritual counterpart, right? And when, when you are defecating, when it's coming out, it does not smell good. Um, but you got to get it out. You don't keep it in because it's not going to smell good. That would not be healthy. Mm. When these painful places in our hearts, when the wounds, the spiritual feces, if you will, is coming out, it doesn't smell good. Uh, and it can be, you know, you can cramp up, it can get painful, uh, especially if you've been spiritually constipated and keeping that stuff inside for a long time. Don't be afraid of all that smell coming up and out. Uh, And you might pass through like this feeling of, wow, I really shouldn't have these feelings for my mom, like the the anger, the rage, the whatever. Okay, you're going to smell the whatever S-H-I-T is in there that has to come up and out. You're going to smell it as it's coming up and out, spiritually speaking. It's okay. Press through that. Go through that. You got, we got to go through that. It's part of the healing. Be not afraid, Juan. You're on it. Keep going. Our next question is from an anonymous listener who asks, if physical affection is meant to be a gift to the other, to affirm their goodness and bless them, 
how do you ensure purity of desire when in giving affection, you're also receiving affection? Love this question. Bless you, bless you. That is a sign of, of someone who's really looking at his or her heart. Um, JP2 talks about this in Love and Responsibility, and it's, it's fresh on my mind because of my studies in this, preparing for this course, as I was sharing earlier. We can have a uh, out-of-balance understanding of selfless love. Mm-hmm. As if it must always be other oriented. Um, that is that is true in a kind of divine sense that God's love, the Father's love, is always going out of itself towards the Son. But we are creatures, right? We are creatures which means our fundamental posture is one of receiving love, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And we see this very principle at work when Jesus gives us the new commandment to love as he loves. And what we also see here, as I'll share in just a moment, is that even within the Trinity, there is this principle of a divine receptivity in the Son. And here, here it is, Jesus unfolds it. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Right there, we see Jesus could not have shared the love of the Father with us if he from all eternity had not been in the posture of first receiving it, because you can't give what you don't have. And then Jesus says, remain in my love. Remain in my love. Let me give this love to you. So there again, our fundamental posture is one of receiving love. Then Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. This need, abject, fundamental need of the creature first to receive love is not a handicap. It's not something to overcome. It's not a defect. It's part of our very nature as a creature. So JP2 says in Love and Responsibility that um, the receiving of love from another human being is a fundamental part of the mutuality and the reciprocity of love. We we mustn't take the, the selflessness to the extent of saying, therefore, I should never be receiving. No, it's a giving and receiving to such an extent that JP2 says, and this is from the TOB, he says, the giving and receiving of the gift of love in the male-female relationship interpenetrates such that the giving itself becomes a receiving, and the receiving itself is transformed into giving. Yeah, there it is. We we and it's it's it it's very humbling. There can be a certain kind of pride that we mask as virtue in this 100% all of the time giving selflessly. You will burn yourself out if you put yourself as a creature in that place. We must be in that fundamental posture of receiving. 
And and this is this comes from one of the saints. Maybe was it Francis de Sales? Perhaps um, I can't remember who who says the the image we should use is not that of a aqueduct where God's love is kind of flowing through us, but rather uh, a cistern that is open to receiving that love continually. And then the love we share with others is an overflow of what we're receiving. That I think that's a, a fitting image. Um, and we, we have to, in any mutual giving and, and receiving loving relationship, a, be it a marriage or or any other human exchange, there has to be a a, a mutuality in in giving and receiving. Although there are relationships, like for example, a, a, a parent and child relationship, especially in the youngest years, mm-hmm. where you know it's mostly a giving and mm-hmm. a pouring out on the part of the parents. But there comes, and every parent knows this, there comes a time where where we are also receiving. I just had a beautiful conversation with one of our young adult children today, and I was in a beautiful place of receiving the gift that he was offering me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a humbling place to be, to, to say, I need to receive here, but, but that is, that's part and parcel of any healthy relationship. Something that was striking me about this question is asking about the, the purity of our desire, of our intention. And I, I think that sometimes we have an opportunity to look at that when maybe we, uh, you know, express some affection that doesn't really land well. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> Delicately said, Wendy. <laughs> um, so that, but that's never happened to us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, I guess what happens in that moment is that it's, just an opportunity there we may have a sadness or a disappointment or you know a, kind of a pang of um having tried and you know sort of yes. in quotes failed yes. in showing love in that painful experience of of having something not well received it gives us an opportunity to just ask the lord to bless this person in the way that they can best be blessed even if it's not through me. Um, mm, and mm. so that's a purifying moment when, you know, it is, I'm not saying that's the only point of that experience. The Lord may shine lights in other ways, but that is an aspect to kind of let go of maybe a certain grasping on the feedback, you know, like I bless you and you bless me and right, we feel right. so Ooh. good together. Yes. Well, maybe not this time. And yeah to surrender, to like open your hands and, and it's a releasing the other from the, any pressure to kind of respond in a certain way. And also your hands open there are ready to then receive from the Lord, both his affirmation of you or his gentle reminder that you're not in control, that you're not perfect, that you're not the fulfillment of the other person all the time. So all of that can just be an opportunity to grow in that grace and maturity in our affection. Those are hard-earned lessons, and we, we, we know that territory because we've had to learn the hard way um, how to be in that place of openness, mm-hmm. that we're not getting it right all the time, and we're hurting one another 
inadvertently and um, learning how to open those hurts first to the Lord and coming to a place of peace and understanding with the Lord and then then opening them appropriately to one another. Um, and I, I really want to kind of underscore that going to the Lord first with the hurt, because oftentimes when we we go to one another with the hurt without having processed it in prayer, it doesn't, it, we add to the hurt because we're coming at a place that um, can be kind of a poking at the other from our own hurt. And I've learned this from you, Wendy. You have been such a witness to me in ways that I have wounded you in taking that to the Lord and coming to me honestly and with clarity and with with even a boldness at times where you've needed to share things with me. Um, but in a way that you bring it to my attention in a way that I, I don't feel poked. Um, you're not dumping your pain on me, mm. even if I have in some ways been dumping some of my pain on you. You, you've you've taught me that way. You've shown me that way. Not that you've been perfect at it. I certainly there have been times where I felt you're dumping some of your pain on me. I just <laughs> want to be. That's right. You know, I have a balanced perspective here in all of these things. Um, but thank you, lover, for the ways mm -hmm. you have taught me how to take my pain to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So important. I know there is a listener out there who's been really blessed by something we said today that the Holy Spirit was speaking through us and, and touched your heart. And I just encourage you, there are other people that you know that need to be similarly blessed. So there's that little share button. Mm -hmm. I invite you to hit it and share this episode with that person. It will help us grow our audience to reach more people with this good news of what it means to be human, what it means to be a man or a woman made in the image and likeness of God, what it means to be an indispensable, irreplaceable, unrepeatable gift, and what it means to become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.